we are developing students for the industry, career technical education, so that they become our replacements. These young people have chosen this opportunity to get a jump start on their career. They'll have a better idea uh, about what they want to do and what they're good at by the time they leave high school. There's some great opportunities for these students that are coming out of the career and technical programs from Henrico County. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of Henrico CTE Now. I am Rashawn Garnett, and with me I have... Mike Roberts. Good, he heard me this time, man. I was yes. a little bit worried. Got a little <laughs> bit of a glitch right here. Okay, guys, uh, so this is episode two of our social distancing series. No, I'm just kidding. Social distancing episode two. I kind of said that wrong. It sounded better in my head, Mike. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's episode three of, of Energy, episode two of the COVID days. I don't know. COVID days. We gotta, Day we 36 gotta, of COVID days. Dude, we got to think of a nice, uh, catchy name. Uh, for yeah. That. Okay, but you did. Energy in the time of COVID. Energy in yeah. the time of COVID. Thank you so much. Nice. Just, that, that was one of our guests there. We'll get to them in a moment. But first, I want to remind you guys to check us out on social media. All right? You don't have anything else to do. You're inside. You're working from home on that quick lunch break or on that on that uh, trip to the fridge real quick to see uh, what you got in there, what you got to have left in there, because I know I've been eating way more than I should as I've been working <laughs> from home. Um, make sure you check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, all at the handle Henrico CTE. And uh, Mike, tell them where they can find the podcast. You can find the podcast on um, our host, which is anchor.com or Apple or Spotify and many, many other podcast venues. Yep, and so. real quick, we've added another country, Hong Kong. Is, we now have a listener in Hong Kong. Oh, wow. Uh, so we're up to 15 now. Internationally 15 known, man. Internationally yep. known, Mike. And good job. You've been yeah. doing the heavy lifting. Thanks for carrying me, man. Thanks for carrying me. Cool. <laughs> All right, guys. This episode is uh, uh, part of the quartet of podcasts that we are doing on Energy Careers. This is a, a, a new career cluster. There is a new career cluster coming to Virginia's school system. The cluster is designed to expose students to careers in the energy field via the classroom. Uh, we have some energy career professionals here to talk to you about their careers and the field in general to give you some insight into the jobs they do on the day-to-day -day basis and maybe some jobs that you guys or students might have in the future that's what i meant by you guys i meant the, the students might have in the future our last two podcasts were on the subject of energy sustainability that was episode one of this uh four-part series and then episode two was energy transmission distribution and storage which is always a long title and uh, I had to write it down to make sure I did not mess it up. Uh, but today, <laughs> today we are talking uh, fuel production. So let's uh, let's get to our guests. I'm gonna have them introduce themselves first. And I think I'll start with Sasha because, well, well, we'll start with ladies first. We'll go ladies first. That's what that's my excuse for that one right there. So we'll start with Sasha. Sasha, give me uh, your name and your title, and then we'll go uh, just kind of sorted down the line then i'll have dana and maybe greg play rock paper scissors to figure out virtual you know video rock paper scissors to figure out who who goes next all right so sasha get us started and then we'll figure out the rest sounds good my name is sasha ferdak roy i'm the virginia uh, operations center manager for northern virginia in columbia gas all right and uh dana you want to go ahead next Sure. My name is Dana Willingham. I'm the manager of technical training for Columbia Gas in Virginia. All right. And last but certainly not least, Mr. Gregory. Howdy. I'm Gregory Meinweiser. Um, I'm with Dominion Energy, and I'm a probabilistic risk assessment analyst. 
Right, right. You guys have a whole bunch of titles, man. Can you guys give us, like, what what does that mean? We can go in the same order, start with Sasha again. What what, what do you do in a day? Tell us what a day-to-day, what your day-to-day life was like prior to COVID, and maybe talk a little bit about how it has changed since COVID-19 has hit. Sure, I can do that. Well, as I said, I'm an operations center manager, so uh, by title, I spend most of my days in meetings, but uh, what I'm responsible for are the day-to-day operations of the folks that you might see out in the field that work for Columbia Gas, so out in the street doing some sort of work on our pipelines or at a customer's home doing some sort of service work, Uh, that's my team, so I make sure that we're getting the work done that we need to get done to keep our customers and our community safe sure we do it on time within budget and according to our policies all right all right and dana what, 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 give us uh, some background to your title what do you do on the day-to-day uh, so as the manager of technical training it's a support uh, role supporting the operations group that sasha manages and the others in the state um as new employees come in we train them on how to safely perform function and for employees new technologies new ways of doing things and that they're staying safe all right sounds good all right gregory your turn sure so my day-to-day before this uh varies through the week between the corporate office and out at uh for me specifically north anna nuclear power station um i work with both station management and key program owners at the station by supporting them in understanding and applying our probabilistic risk assessment models and PRA for short, it's a systematic and comprehensive methodology used to evaluate risks associated with complex engineered technologies, in our case, nuclear power plants. As you can imagine, it's a large engineered system that is very complex. And so what we basically use this for is to assess the risk of the plant on a day-to-day ongoing basis as it's built. Um, And so I'm working with, like I said, key folks at the station as well as back in corporate and our analysts to make sure that they understand um, where they are, where they're going, and making sure that plant stays as safe as possible. All right, all right. So what, what led you guys to, to that career choice? And, uh, of course, we want to start with Sasha because that's kind of sort of the order we've established, but kind of led you guys uh, down those the career paths that you guys have ended up in. In this show, we like to talk a lot about career paths because, you know, this is more so targeted towards students, maybe trying to figure out what they want to do uh, later on in life. And we want to show people that, you know, sometimes it is a straight shot. Sometimes people know what they want to do when they're coming out of high school or when they're, you know, in high school. But, uh, you know, sometimes it takes some time to figure it out. So just give us a, an idea of what led you to where you are today. For me, getting into the energy industry was probably a lucky accident um, based on the, the times. When I graduated, I majored in industrial engineering and I graduated into the recession. So there weren't a lot of companies that were hiring whenever I was looking for a job. And uh, I was lucky enough to stumble upon Columbia Gas and they had just kicked off a 20 year infrastructure replacement program. So they were one of just a handful of companies that I could find that was actually looking to hire individuals and start to increase their workforce. Uh, So I started my career with them thinking probably that it was going to be a job since I was an industrial engineer and and not necessarily a career. But as I stepped into the industry, I got to see how much stability there is in the energy industry because there are so many opportunities and things like infrastructure replacement programs that we have at our company 
you know, that's multiple decades worth of work. So, you know, it allowed me to continue to grow within a career uh, instead of it just being one job. And that's how I ended up here. And that's why I stayed. All right. All right. Dana, let's hear your story. How'd you get here, man? We still got Dana. Yeah, so. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, man. He's. Yeah, I got a little bit of a lag going here. Yeah, I got a little, little bit of an internet issue going on there with Dana. Let's start with Greg, and then we'll come back to you, Dana, all right? So, um, for me, until earlier middle of high school, I actually wanted to be a vocal education teacher because okay. um, I did a lot of choir, a lot of singing, all that kind of stuff. Now, now we're going to ask you to sing on uh, <laughs> Rocco <Rockle> CD. <laughs> if, if it wasn't told me today that, with man. all this pollen in the air, <laughs> you're going to get a really off-key flute going. Um, however, during maybe middle later high school as well, um, I actually met a substitute teacher as well as a friend of a friend who had some nuclear-specific related um, background, one of which actually worked on nuclear subs out in California. Oh, cool. Said he was actually in Hunt for Red October, um, if you ever oh. remember that movie. Oh. Yes, I do. Yeah. It's a I'm good old enough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, if I remember it, you're fine. Um, <laughs> and then a friend of a friend who was finishing up his nuclear engineering degree at UT, uh, University of Tennessee, and so... I always kind of had a knack through high school for math and science, so I was like, sure, why not? I'll try this. I can always take on singing and music on the side. Um, and once I got into um, college and actually learning about nuclear power specifically and energy itself, I grew really quickly passionate and um, invested in energy and specifically nuclear um, as a power source of the future. Okay. All right. All right, Dana, we got you, man. You good to go, man. All right. So, uh, Dana, if you could real quick just answer the question, man, uh, what led you to the career path that you are in today? Uh, my father worked in the energy industry, and uh, I had started off in working in IT. When I was doing that, the company that I worked for laid me off just before my first son was born. Oh, wow. Realized I needed some of that stability that I had witnessed with my father, so um, I went ahead and got my foot in the door and haven't looked back. All right, all right. So uh, sounds like you guys finally found out. You know, you found out a nice place for yourself um, in this world, and I think that's what a lot of the students are really trying to trying to etch out here as they go through high school. They're really trying to find a place where they can make an impact and feel like they're doing doing some fulfilling work. So tell me, what keeps you most excited about the the career you're in like what motivates you to stay in this line of work because i know there's some hard days as long as as well as there's some fun days so what keeps you around sasha and so what keeps me around is the variety of opportunities that i have here in my career you know i mentioned earlier that i probably started off thinking it was going to be a job and it ended up being a career and i know i had a lot of friends that i went to school with and you know, maybe they started off with their first job and didn't like it so much or maybe didn't like the uh, line of work that they were in that that involved changing companies or maybe even a career change but you know i've been lucky in that the industry that we're in and the company that i was lucky enough to get hired into uh, lets you learn and continue to grow and expand while you're still within the same company so you know, I've been with this company for 12 years, and I've worked in engineering, I've worked in business management, and now I'm in operations. 
So it probably on paper would look like I had three different career paths, <laughs> but in actuality it was just you know one great career that has allowed me to have a lot of different opportunities and continue to grow. Well, I mean that that's certainly a, a good thing, though, right? You want to have a career that allows for a, you know some type of movement, you know, whether that is you know upward or horizontal. Uh, they kind of sort of allow you to control your own future it, it sounds like you control your own destiny yeah. destiny is probably a better phrase all right gregory yeah so uh for me one thing like you were saying especially on those hard days because <laughs> with any job you're not gonna love it every day um but for me specifically the fact that nuclear energy provides clean reliable and safe power especially during times like these during crises where everyone's at home and really needs that electricity um, really gets me motivated in the actual field. Um, the fact that it's a critical mission in my mind to ensure houses, hospitals, schools, other facilities stay lit day in, day out. Uh, specifically in my current role, also we're working on some projects that really help bring value directly to the bottom line of the company, which is good for the energy business itself. It makes you feel like you're adding value. Because right. you are. Um, but then also knowing that if we can make production of electricity cheaper for us, it may very well have a direct effect to make it cheaper for people who might also be struggling to pay bills as well. Mm-hmm. So knowing that that is a really cool mission to have keeps me going day in and day out. Yeah, talk about making an impact, man. You guys are doing it right there, working in this field. And we're starting a series, or we're going. To, we're thinking about starting a series on essential workers. Like I mentioned, we had uh, Henry Rose Marion, uh, Assistant fire, assistant fire chief in Henrico County on on last episode, and you know uh, we really, really are seeing you know how important some of these careers are to us as a world as a whole. So, uh, Dana, I think, tell us, and oh, I think all three mind. of our guests today fit right into yeah. that those that essential class of careers, and so that no matter what the circumstance, they they, they have they will continue to work, and because they have to continue to provide us with the important power that uh, that Virginians and Americans need. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Dana, you're up. Yeah, so uh, mine's pretty similar to what Sasha uh, brought out, the fact that there are so many different avenues within the same industry that you can explore. I mean, in this time I've worked in the field, I've also worked in IT and the energy industry, I've worked in construction, now in training. So just so many different avenues to explore. And in addition to that, it's always changing. There's always new innovations, new technologies, new ways of optimizing tasks. Um, so it just stays fresh. And uh, we're going to start start to get into, I guess, the uh, what actually is fuel production. And uh, if you guys could uh, define fuel production. And, and, and distribution. And, and distribution. Yeah. Uh, just talk, give us a definition of it, a brief definition, you know, uh, uh, you know, if you're talking to somebody who doesn't know what it means at all, how would you explain it? Are we gonna do rock paper scissors? Oh yeah, I forgot that. That's supposed <laughs> to call somebody. I, uh, could, uh, I well, did have something on this one at least. <laughs> um, at least with the way we were talking about in the actual CTE discussions. Um, in general, fuel production itself, um, from a 500,000 foot view, um, is taking a fuel used to produce energy, whether that be coal, oil, natural gas, uranium, um, and many others out there amidst the world. Uh, It's taking it from its raw form, 
to a usable state. For instance, oil in the ground typically needs to be drilled out and refined before it can actually be used, or at least right now paid to sit somewhere <laughs> as the price has gone negative. Um, before it's actually used in engineered systems and machines to produce work and beneficial use. Okay, all right. Very good. Anybody else want to add to that definition or are we going to take that one? We're, we're good with that one? <laughs> yeah. Just piggyback on that a little bit in the natural gas industry specifically, uh, as he brought out fuel production, would be removing that natural gas, more specifically the methane from the reserves that are found in the various underground formations and then refining that so that it can be delivered to customers, whether it be used for energy um, in the home or whether it's being used for the production of electricity or any of the various other applications. All right. So what, what um, I'm finally going to get a question. <laughs> yes, I, I, I was trying to shut up, Mike. I'm sorry. Dude. No, no, no. You know I know, I, I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's just it, when, when we're separated like this, not all in the same room like we usually do, it just it does make it a little more difficult. But yeah. uh, question, the when it comes to um, the different types of fuels and, and even the distribution modes, what are the types of fuels that we use in Virginia and what are some al- what would be some alternatives that is are also being used or even be considered in Virginia. Uh, anybody wants to start? So we can start with natural gas because I'm always going to start with that. Um, <laughs> Wonder why. Getting back to uh, you know CTE and, and us all sitting in a room, uh, we had representatives there for coal. Of course, we had the nuclear industry that was there. Um, we didn't have folks there for propane, but it is a, a pretty big energy source here in Virginia, um, as well as solar and, um, and hydro, and, uh, and now we're, we're looking at wind uh, in a variety of capacities. Yeah, um, to piggyback off that as well, um, one thing Dominion, amidst many things Dominion is always kind of looking at, um, if you've probably heard the pig farms, um, capturing natural methane from those pig farms <laughs> right. themselves as a type of natural gas to be able to, to grow burn up, and sorry. use. <laughs> no, that is an appropriate reaction. That's funny, but amazing, but funny at the same time. Because um, you never think, oh, we're going to use um, pig droppings to uh, kind of put something there to capture it. And But it is something that is looking into and actually has some significant um, recyclable use, um, especially in sustainability of land. Um, so specific, at least for um, nuclear, our fuel would be uranium. Um, there are some alternative fuels to that uh, with some upcoming advanced nuclear reactors that they're working on, um, some of which involve MOX or mixed oxide fuel, which they actually take um, mixed oxide between uranium and plutonium to actually de-weaponize some um, previously built weapons that you don't need anymore. Okay. Um, as well as a couple others are thorium, which is a little more abundant, or sometimes a lot more abundant than uranium itself. And um, there are some advanced reactors coming out, um, one of which includes Terra Power's design for fast breeder reactors, which could actually recycle our spent nuclear fuel that we have sitting on site and can actually reuse it to where potentially instead of having to wait 
many, 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 many years for it to fully decay the radiation um, to a lot less years, potentially a decade or two, to where it's actually safe to be stored in a non-high security location. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now, are any of those happening in, in Virginia? Not currently. Um, Dominion uh, might be looking at some small modular reactors, mm-hmm. um, or at least keeping an eye on the range there. Um, however, no thought of yet for some of these newer ones. But some of these technologies are still a decade or two out. Um, but they are on the horizon, and Virginia's, I'm sure, keeping an eye on them to see where they go. That, that is so amazing, that, especially the one where you're basically taking the spent fuel that we're having to spend a lot of money on storing and just being dirty for a very, very long time and being able to reuse it and then bring it in. And you're saying they're able to bring it to a state where it's no longer dangerous as it, it would normally be? Right. Something like okay. that. Okay. That'd be amazing. All right. That is. Hey, yo, the epitome of innovation uh, right there, yes. especially with the... Uh, with the pig farm methane thing, uh, that is oh, yes. maybe the definition one. of of innovation. <laughs> All right, guys, let's talk about some of the let's talk about job variety uh, in, in in you guys' field. And uh, uh, Dana, I kind of want to start with you on this one. Just talk about the different jobs available here uh, because of your job title. You got training in it. You got training in it twice at a training center, technical trainer, training and training center manager. So <laughs> just talk a little bit uh, about some of the jobs available, uh, in, in, you know, maybe at Columbia Gas for starters. Yeah, I think when people think Columbia Gas, they look and they see the trucks driving around and you think about the guys who are in the field, who, whether they're the folks who are going up and working on the meters at people's houses or the guys who are working on the um, pipelines that are buried in the ground. But all of those are engineered systems. So we also have a, an engineering group, as uh, Sasha mentioned, she worked in that before. And we're also a for-profit business at the end of the day. So we have uh, finance folks, we have communications uh, department that reaches out and uh, handles our community outreach as well as uh, government affairs. Um, because there's a lot of things that have to do with tariffs and things that are passed uh, within the state Senate that we are very much interested in. So there's just a wide variety of jobs that you can pursue. I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot uh, when people are, you know, when somebody says, oh, you know, I work at Virginia Power or I could get a job for Virginia Power or or Columbia Gas or, or, or what, is nobody thinks about all the administrative jobs that are required and have to be there. And I think I've said this before in some of our past programs, those are the hardest jobs in the energy industry to fill because people aren't even applying because they don't think about it. And I think that um, it's important that that type of information gets out to the public to know that these companies are looking. They're not just looking for people to work on the, on the, the pipelines and the engineers and the nuclear facilities, and but there's actually everything from people that are um, in everything from the office to in the field. You know, and and that those are great jobs. They're great, and they're long term, and they're because they're essential. They're you know, there's always they're always going to be yeah, exactly. They're always going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sasha, you kind of hinted at uh, where we're going with this next question a a little bit when we talked about your career track, but just talk about upward mobility um, a little bit more in depth as it as it comes to uh, the energy field. Yeah. So as far as as growth within the field. 
I don't want to say it's endless, but gosh, there's so much of it because, you know, you can look at it as far as a breadth and how many different things that Dana just mentioned that are needed to be able to support the industry, but also depth of it. Um, you know, we need folks that are doing the work. We also need folks that are managing the work, that are overseeing, you know, if it's planning or if it's doing. It just opens you up for so many different opportunities uh, within the industry, whether it's within the same company or, or multiple companies. There's so much opportunity that's here because of that. And uh, with the energy industry, whether it, it's good, bad, or indifferent, folks are always talking about energy, especially in this country. So, you know, when you have that kind of uh, level of visibility, you're in a constant mode of. Uh, reinventing yourself of trying to improve of trying to uh, meet the demands of the folks that are looking at energy and so that pushes us to continue to reinvent and uh, probably do a little bit of R&D around what we look like where did we come from versus where we're going that's going to continue to drive opportunity within our industry all right Greg you wanted to jump in on this whole conversation of uh, you know maybe upward mobility uh talk a little bit about jobs available in the field uh, don't want to leave you out man <laughs> oh sure that's fine um honestly just like uh any other place kind of like what you were mentioning there are a lot of other types of jobs um going on in that one um even just at the nuclear plant itself it's not just nuclear engineers that may even be the smallest part oddly enough of the engineers at a nuclear power station um you've got pretty much any other type of engineering you can ever think of um, working from one end to the other, uh, mechanical, chemical, uh, anything like that. But then also something that people don't realize as well is we have so many vocational workers there. Then um, these people um, didn't get a college degree. They went into um, vocational technical either school or, um, uh, I'm forgetting the word, uh, yeah, uh, folks who work under stuff, <laughs> learn the trade, um, really good tradesmen uh, and women, and honestly, it's getting harder to find those people. Yeah. Um, and these people make more than some of the engineers do, and I think people just don't realize that, especially if you want to be an underwater welder. Underwater um, welder? We've, yes. we've had to That's... fly a couple of those out to some of the stations during outages when emergent work needed, and they get to fly in that private jet that I haven't even gotten to see yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> if you're an underwater welder, you might get uh, flown out in a private jet right there to do some underwater, <laughs> underwater welding uh, in different parts of the world. All right, guys, let's talk a little bit about, uh, let's talk about the money, right? Money's not everything, right? But it is something, okay? So let's talk about how profitable some of these jobs can be uh, in your industries. Yeah, the money's nice. It definitely helps. Um, as for, at least from what I remember seeing um, with helping out with some um, educational type job, salary propositions and things like that, at least from the engineering side in energy, your highest are gonna be your petroleum chemical and then rounding off with nuclear at the top for um, engineering and out of school you end up starting around 60 to 70 um, thousand a year depending on where you go that can be higher that can be lower um, that is a solid starting out um, oh yeah yeah it doesn't salary hurt. it does not hurt at all <laughs> that, yeah that will that will set you up quite nicely and like we've kind of been talking about um, 
it, it's a very stable job uh, because we're always going to need electricity. It's, it's one of those commodities people can't really live without nowadays, um, as well as manufacturing plants, all of that kind of thing. Um, and those same vocational people I was talking about can sometimes make and maybe not start off at that much, but can exceed it pretty quickly. Um, as work kind of progresses, so it it can be a it can be a very comfortable. Or it will provide you with a comfortable lifestyle, which is pretty nice. Right. Hey, Dana, you want to hop in on this one, man? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the same thing. Uh, even our entry level positions, many times, are very competitively. Um, I wanted to say priced, but. <laughs> yeah, we, the salaries are very competitive when you look at them versus other industries, even for entry-level positions. Um, and then as you continue, we talked about the upward mobility. A lot of times there's different tiers within those jobs. And as you move through and gain more training and move up in the tiers of the job, there's just uh, opportunities to continue to make more and more. A lot of our field folks, um, especially the ones who aren't afraid of overtime, um, are definitely making uh, quite a bit of money, quite a bit more than I am even. So, uh, uh, you know, there's there's good opportunity there. And um, like I said, that was really what drew me to the energy field in the first place was seeing how comfortable and how stable it was uh, as I was growing up and my dad was working in the industry. So it, it only makes sense to, to pursue those type of careers if, if that's something that interests you. It seems like no matter what uh, career or what, who, who we're talking to overtime certainly never hurts if it if it's offered <laughs> so uh sasha you want to you want to add to this conversation here yeah well i i can definitely speak to uh um, the the field-based positions you know our positions and the positions in the industry you know while at face value you might think that you know an entry-level position isn't uh, as critical as some of our higher level positions but those positions are very technical and the folks that we bring in the door to work in those positions need to be able to understand and execute on so many different tasks at a very high level um, that you know we are we're compensating folks to be able to do that so when we do bring uh, individuals in the door and we train them according to how we're expecting them to work when they're in their jobs every day uh, we want to make sure that we're being able to retain the people that we're bringing in because it is a lot of training and it's a lot of uh, budget dollars that are spent to be yeah. able to, to keep those folks going and make sure that we can do what we do every day because we are an essential service and we need to make sure that the energy is going to continue to power our country effectively. So yeah, I would agree that we, we do compensate very well because just of the critical nature of what we do. do. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, shout out to all the essential workers out there. I think I'm going to say that every social distancing podcast we have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mike, and I always say this, man, uh, in conversation with people I talk to, and you guys are really on the front lines for us, making sure society doesn't completely crash as we try to get this COVID thing um, under control. All right. We're yeah. running up against the clock a little bit here. I do want to ask one more question before the show closes. I know Sasha has a meeting uh, to get to. I certainly don't want to hold her up for our little podcast here <laughs> but um let's uh let, let me ask you guys this uh if you guys can give any any advice to a student uh who wants to get involved early um or wants to make a uh make a career out of what it is you guys do 
and just just give us some of that advice there. Some any, any advice, and we'll start with Sasha, and then I'll work down the line. Sasha, Greg, and Dana, and then we'll call it a show. <laughs> okay. Uh, my advice would be to just get comfortable, continually learning new things. You know, you're you're constantly in that mode when you're in school of something new is going to be coming my way, and when you step out into this industry, it doesn't change. The industry keeps changing, and we have to change with it. So we're expecting employees to be able to get comfortable with kind of flowing with it and, and making sure that they're comfortable with that level of change. So, you know, I would say just challenge yourself to keep learning new things. Reach out. If you're interested in the energy industry, take classes that are associated with it. You know, reach out to uh, companies that might be in your area to ask questions because uh, the more that you understand even just a basic component of it, as you're starting to step into the industry, the more comfortable you're going to feel that you know uh, what's ahead of you. All right, Greg, what you got? Yeah, um, you it's, got most of mine. But, uh, <laughs> inspirational words. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's great. Um, another piece would be whichever piece of energy or just energy in general kind of tickles your fancy, definitely you can find out a lot of it through just Googling. Um, through those specific instances, doing your research um, and diving deep into whatever it is that interests you. You'd be surprised how much you can learn of what these people do via just some Google searches, and you might even be better suited than some of the people working in those jobs are. Um, so, yeah, you can learn a lot that way, and like Sasha said, try to reach out. You'd be surprised, especially people who are passionate about what they do. They will be happy to have coffee with you and just talk about what they do. All right, yep, yeah, yeah. so hit that Google University up, kids. Hit that Google University up. <laughs> All right, Dana, advice to leave the young ones with? Yeah, just really doing the research, uh, going out there, diving into it, looking into it as deeply as you can because then you might find that there's other facets of it that uh, may interest you even more. And as was mentioned already, there's uh, so much information out there you can really become familiar with it and then you can tailor your educational um, goals to fit that interest and be very well prepared for a career in the energy industry. All right, awesome, awesome. Guys, thank you so much for your time um, here today. Thank you guys so much for logging on. I always want to say coming out. This is, you know, it's, it's new for me. It's different for me, man. You're doing things. Everybody in there is in their own different room. We're doing it from Zoom, but you guys still found time out to come and give and come and have a chat and give us a little bit of insight into your career. So I want to thank you guys for doing that. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having us. All right, guys, that is a wrap for this episode. I want to remind you guys to check us out on our social media. Got to plug the social media, guys. Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and I think I got all of them. We don't have a TikTok yet. We might be getting that soon. <laughs> but uh, make sure you guys check out the ones I mentioned, uh, minus TikTok, if we don't have that yet. At Henrico CTE, that's the handle. Mike, tell them where they can find the podcast. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, and most of your major and minor podcast venues. Wherever you listen to your podcast, I'm sure you'll find us. Yeah, and wherever you want, wherever you listen, however you want to listen, uh, we got you covered. All right, for Greg Menweiser, for Dana Willing, Willingham, and for Sasha Frederick-Wall, I'm, I'm Rashawn Garnett. I forgot Mike Roberts. For Mike Roberts, too. Mike's here. For Mike <laughs> Roberts. forgetting about me all day. So. <laughs> forgot to send him the questions right. of everything, man. That's a long story. All right. For Mike Roberts and for everybody I just listed, 
Uh, so long, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Until next time.